Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. I hear you, I can hear you, if you can hear me, show some marvelous excitement in the room. It's been a season and a week of celebration, so I'm sure there's still some celebration in your bones. Can you show that in your chat room, in the chat room there? Can you just show some excitement? Fabulous. We are still celebrating, okay? So the entire church is celebrating. It's back to back. So uh, we're, 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 we're going to be rounding it off in, on Sunday in grand style. It's a week of celebration. And so it's my honor and privilege to be here this evening to bring God's word to you. It's always a privilege. It's always an honor. And um, to be bringing God's word um, to you this evening, uh, I salute our senior pastor, especially today. <laughs> Uh, once again, we say congratulations to you, sir, and um, to Lady Abyssal as well on the occasion of your third wedding anniversary. We love you, sir. We celebrate you. And um, definitely also a happy birthday to our beloved Tiara, Tiara Lua, uh, clocking two years old today. For those of you that are not aware, uh, we're excited. We are happy. This is the family that God has given to us and granted to us. This is our own allocation in the realm of the spirit. And so we must rejoice and celebrate with this amazing family that um, have been a source, a mighty source of blessing to us all and to millions of people across the world, literally. So, so thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. We celebrate you. We love you. And uh, church, can we celebrate our pastor one more time in the, in the church? I'm not seeing some excitement. Uh, I hope you can hear me, okay? Let's celebrate our pastor one more time. And for bringing such a fab fabulous word last week, and I was telling pastor that last week's word, I mean... That's on Thursday now. Last week did a lot to me. I was so excited by that word, the mystery of dedication. I mean, what happens whenever I come for come on Thursdays? I don't know about you, but when I come to come on Thursdays, I mean, I usually use the word to, to last me till Sunday. So the word on Sunday lasts me till, let's say, Wednesday. So by Thursday, I'm ready for a refill. <laughs> so uh, tonight, I mean... Uh, I'm the one preaching, but of course, <laughs> I'm also going to be blessed as I preach. So Sunday, I, I get a, I get a review till Wednesday. Of course, I still meditate and ruminate on that till the next Sunday. But it's just a good opportunity to just celebrate the ministry of our senior pastor again for being so diligent, so consistent, and giving us back to back from the realm of the spirit, just receiving raw flesh of the word, raw flesh. <laughs> of the word we love you sir we thank you and we celebrate you and pastor i mean did so well last week i was inspired by it and that was where i got my own sermon from actually so what i'm going to be sharing with you this evening was inspired uh i had received this sermon weeks back uh but i wasn't inspired to teach it but once pastor started sharing last week and uh, god said yes that's the clue that's the clue now now is the time to share this word so i'm excited to be bringing this word to you is like fire in my bones i literally i just finished um shouting and screaming about that word not too long ago before 8 p.m i was screaming and shouting that this is fire in my bones i can't wait to drop it for god's people as it has been placed in my heart so pastor thank you for inspiring me last week to to be able to teach and deliver and we also celebrate all the pastors in the house pigs we love you <laughs> tribesmen uh you'll be shocked i'll be excited very soon <laughs> i will say more than that I celebrate you, Pastor Itur, as well. Leaders in the house, we love you. We celebrate you. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Trust you've had a fabulous week so far. It's been a rainy day today in Lagos. For those of you that are outside Lagos, uh, we celebrate you and love you, all our members in diaspora. So let's get started already. Uh, Father Lord, we thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to bring God's word uh, to your people, your, your word to your people. We thank you for how you have helped us in this series so far. I think this is about the 21st or so installment. We thank you for layers and layers of revelation knowledge that you have revealed to us in the past several weeks and we just thank you for what you are set to do tonight bless our hearts uh let your people be edified and strengthened in jesus mighty name can i get some amen in the chat room we celebrate you pastors thank you all for celebrating our pastors can i get some amen amen and amen so let's get started um this evening i really want to plead that you'll be attentive okay i want to plead for your attention this evening okay the word is going to come in an unusual dimension. Uh, I mean unusual in, in many regards, okay? You'll find out as I go on. And so however it meets you, however it hits you, just receive it. 
uh, it's not line by line that I like I know how to preach, but we're going to be reading a lot of scriptures. It's Bible study, and Pastor has already set the bar in terms of Bible study. We have to read the Bible, okay? So there's going to be a lot of Bible reading. But uh, I'm coming to you this evening as a as a lawyer, as it were, a lawyer of the word. Okay, I want to I want to I want to uh, present a case. Okay, so I'm presenting a case, and so it's going to be a lot of evidence, fact finding, proving, and at the end of the day. I'm going to get to my point. So I, I really want to beg and plead that you follow me. I'm going to start building some cases right from the beginning. And it's going to come for the word is going to come from different sides, multiple angles. I'm, I'm trying to connect something. Okay. It's just the way God showed me. So just be patient with me this evening. And I am really trusting God that the next 50, 50 minutes, which is by um, 9 p.m., I will be done. Okay. So please, I thank you in advance. <laughs> All right, so let's get started. So over the course, uh, past um, several weeks, we've been looking at Daniel, the man Daniel, the excellent spirit, and um, different shades and aspects and perspectives on his life. And uh, God dropped in my heart uh, last week for us to begin to look at the prophetic dimension of Daniel. Okay, Daniel is a prophet. Okay, don't don't miss that. Daniel is not just a random uh, uh, man in the Bible that we're just reading his stories and learning from. He's also a prophet. If you read the latter chapters of the book of Daniel, you realize that this guy, and Pastor has actually also hinted this in some of his sermons previously, that this guy prophesied uh, most the end of the world, literally the end of the world. Chapter 12, Daniel, you see him prophesying um, different aspects of what we're already witnessing now. Until Jesus will come back, he has prophesied everything. So Godfather is showing me some insights uh, about the prophetic side of Daniel and how that relates to our generation and our age right now. So we're going to start um, from, not the book of Daniel, but from Ezekiel. Okay, let's start from the book of Ezekiel. I'm going to be starting from Ezekiel chapter 14 today. So please follow me closely. Ezekiel chapter 14. Uh, I'm going to be reading some verses, so please pay attention. I told you I'm going to be reading a couple of verses, so I really want you to follow me. If you can open your Bible, please do so. It's Bible study. You should have your Bible beside you as well. And take notes as well. Thanks, Hobbs, for the insights you always drop uh, so that we know we're on track. Ezekiel chapter 14 from verse 12. Ezekiel 14 from verse 12 to 20. I'm reading from 12 to 20. The word of the Lord came again to me saying, Son of man, when the land sins against me by trespassing previously, then will I stretch out my hand upon it and will break the staff of the bread thereof and will send famine upon it and will cut off man and beast from it. Verse 14. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. 15. If I cause noisome beasts to pass through the land and they spoil it so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beasts. 16 says, Though these three men were in it as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Hmm. Verse 17. Or if I bring a sword upon the land and say, sword, go through the land so that I cut off man and beast from it. Verse 18 says, though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Verse 19, or if I send a pestilence into that, into that land and pour out my fury upon it in blood, to cut off from it man and beast. Verse 20 says, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, said the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall both deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Amazing scripture. Amazing scripture. Powerful scripture. How, how did these three men attain this stature in the kingdom? I mean, if you check the heart of God, you realize that there's a special allocation for Noah, Daniel, and Job. <laughs> These three men recorded, they are recorded in the annals of history as three men that God will look into a community, a state, a city, a nation, and say, if I don't find an element of Noah in it, if I don't find an element of Daniel in it, if I don't find an element of Job in it, then this country, I'm going to wipe it off. That it's only elements that have Noah. This, they are not just persons, they are not personalities, they are principles. And to think that Daniel is featuring in the book of Ezekiel, even before the book of Daniel. You no, know, Ezekiel is before the book of Daniel. 
<laughs> so even before Daniel chapter 1, we're already seeing Daniel in the book of Ezekiel chapter 14. And this Daniel here is actually the Daniel, the same Daniel. I had to do some research. It's not any other Daniel. It's the same Daniel that we've been studying for several weeks. So God is saying that I come into a city, I come into a nation, and I'm looking for something. I'm looking for righteousness. And the kind of righteousness I'm looking for is the kind of righteousness displayed by three men, Noah, Daniel, Job. And so God is saying that these three men have something that I want everybody to have. These three men displayed some character, some character traits, some personalities that I want every man to exude, every man to exude. Every Christian, every believer, they must have these three traits. And so I, I started drawing some uh, lines of connection, some, some connecting lines between these three personalities. Say, what, what is particular about these three men? Why would God uh, choose these three men and say, ah, these three guys are the ones, they are the three figures and personalities in scriptures. They are pillars that represent a trait in me that I want to see manifest on the earth. What is that thing? And, and, and God took me to Hebrews 11. Let's go to Hebrews 11 quickly. You know, I told you I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures. I told you I am trying to go somewhere. It's still a very long journey. Very long journey, please. So please just be patient with me. Hebrews 11. Remember, three men. And then look at what it says, Hebrews 11, verse 7. I'm going to be reading the scriptures very fast. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an act to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah condemned the world. When I saw that, God said that, exact, that was exactly the same thing that Daniel did. That's exactly the same thing that Job did. Condemned the world. I just I had to draw that line of connection. That this scripture is the same righteousness. You can see he became heir of righteousness. Is the same righteousness that was referred to in Ezekiel chapter, chapter 14 that we just read. How he became the heir of righteousness is by condemning the world. So if you can see righteousness here in Hebrews 11, 7, it's the same righteousness that, remember I said they will, be saved, they will save themselves by their own righteousness. So here it is saying what? He became heir of righteousness by what? Condemning the world. Which also means that Daniel also did what? Condemned the world. Means what? Job also condemned the world. It is very evident how Noah condemned the world. And of course, you saw how there's a lot of fields. And we're going to still look at Noah later on. A lot of fields in the country and the city at the time. Noah, he was building the ark based on his conviction. Everybody was doing something as he chose to condemn Noah. I said, look, I'm going to focus on what I've heard from God. Same thing with Job. Job, at some point, his wife told him, curse God and die. What are you doing? His friends came. Everybody around him saying, Look, I'm going to condemn the world. I'm going to abandon. I'm going to defy what people are saying. I'm going to condemn the world. I'm focused on what I know I have heard. I know in whom I believed. Same thing with the Daniel I've been studying for several weeks. Condemn the world. He was going to be thrown into, into, into uh, the, the lion's den. Don't worship. Don't worship anybody that's, that worship, uh, worships any God apart from the God who have said. You're going to be thrown into the guy said, look, I'm, this is when I'm now even going to open my windows. I'm going to pay three times a day. Condemn the world. You almost I say I I damn <laughs> I, I damn I don't care I don't I don't send you. That's what it means to condemn the world. There's a version of condemning the world that the world that God is waiting for you to demonstrate. Are you condemning the world in your industry in your office? Are you condemning the world? The world right now is condemned. So you have to condemn. <laughs> you have to condemn the world. Condemning the world is a principle in God that births righteousness. These are the things that God will see and say, ah, this is the dimension of Noah that I want to see on the earth. This is the dimension. Remember that righteousness exalts a nation. How to exalt righteousness in your life is by condemning the world. This world is condemned no matter how glamorous we're going to look at it all. No matter how beautiful and alluring it is, you have to condemn the world. Abandon, look for, for, and just pursue what God has said. And we're going to be looking, how to con look at, looking at how to condemn the world today. Okay, now <laughs> I've not started my teaching. This is just introduction. So please, important condemning the world is critical. In in defining, just for you to understand what it means to condemn the world. Condemning the world simply means number one, elevating godly values and instructions in the face of contrary voices 
and conflicting suggestions. It means elevating godly values and instructions in the face of contrary voices and conflicting suggestions. Just think about how Noah must have felt. Building an ark when people were saying, there is no flood. We have never seen rain in the world. What are you trying to build? There is no rain in the world. Nobody, rain has never fallen before. You what? You damn the way. You condemn the world. You elevate your, va your values. You elevate God's word. You elevate God's instructions. Above conflicting voices and conflicting su suggestions. Contrary voices and what? Conflicting suggestions. Number two, condemning the world means defying the world's mostly celebrated standards. Define the world's mostly celebrated standards, no matter how popular they may seem. Mm. Define. That's what it means to condemn the world. Define the world's mostly, all of the things they see, all the glitz and the glamour on social media, on Instagram. Are you defining those things? What kilo and beg? What, what is the you normal? Know, what is the only I want to travel? I want to do that. I want to achieve. You, 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 you define what is there. There's nothing to these things. And you what you elevate what you know is true, no matter how popular they may seem, no matter how Pastor Cole wrote last week a movie that was trending. He said, Look, God said, Look, I condemn this movie. Eh? I condemn this movie. I'm, I'm, no matter how popular, no matter how everybody's talking about it, if God says, Condemn this thing, you condemn it. Defy the world. Number two, number three, condemning the world means pursuing your purpose and holding on to your convictions in the face of numerous distractions and lack of evidence to verify what you believe. <laughs> That's condemning the world. Pursuing your purpose and holding on to your convictions in the face of numerous distractions and lack of immediate evidence to verify what you believe. You may not have proof about what you believe, what you say you believe, you may not have evidence but you're still holding on to it. Your friends are saying, why? Look, everybody is sleeping with your boyfriend. What is wrong with you? What is that? They're saying, look, you hold on. There's no evidence. Even if they say, ah, where? some friends will come and tell you, where, where is it in Bible that, that says, ah, you should not smoke? I know a friend of mine that used to ask me that. Where is it in the Bible? There's no place in the Bible that says don't smoke. <laughs> you, do, you don't have to prove. Your conscience is, is your own witness. Sometimes, they show me, I've shown you the Bible. Don't allow people to put you in a box. You have a conscience. The Holy Spirit is in you. Tells you what is right. Tells you what is wrong. You pursue your purpose and hold on to your convictions in the face of abundant distraction. A lot of distraction in this age. Imagine how, how Noah must have been distracted. Daniel must have been distracted by all the tongues. Sometimes distractions are voices. Voices. Numerous voices. There are many voices in the world and none of them is without signification. That's what the Bible says. And the evidence, so you have to, you have to defy the world. You have to condemn the world. These three definitions, this is what it means to condemn the world. Daniel had it. Noah had it. Job had it. God wants you to have it. I wish you together tonight. <laughs> I need to run along. I need to run along. Are we together tonight? Are you, are you with me? Are you with me? Let me, let me, let me, let me see uh, some response in the chat room. Are we together? We still have a long way to go. I'm trying to manage time here. Okay, so are we clear on what I've explained so far? Condemning the world is what God is expecting us to do. Daniel demonstrated that. This was something that God saw in Daniel. Like, ah, this God saw it in, in, in Job. Ah, saw it in Noah. Ah, these guys condemned the world. I mean, Abraham did not even feature there. David of all, he did not feature there. So there's, there's something about condemning the world that God, that God adores and God admires and God loves because it's connected to righteousness. It's connected to righteousness. Abraham is not the father of righteousness. He's the father of faith. But when we talk about the concept of righteousness, which exalts a nation, you mentioned Noah, you mentioned Daniel, you mentioned Job. That's what he's saying here. Now, why is this conversation important? I'm going to be diving into Daniel very soon. Why is this conversation very important? Now, God has been teaching me recently about moving into the realm of subduing and dominion, okay? Subduing and then dominating, okay? Remember, in Genesis 1, God says, verse 26 says, God, he says, be fruitful, be, uh, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue, and have dominion. Five layers. Be fruitful, um, uh, multiply, replenish the earth, and uh, subdue and then have dominion uh, dominion you know a lot of us have been playing in 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 this the first three fields the first three fields 
of fruitfulness, of what uh, multiplication, of what replenishing the earth. Excellent, brilliant, beautiful. God is proud of that. But you know what? Where God wants us to get to is in that dominion aspect. And God has just been teaching me past six weeks, almost two months now, about subduing, subduing. And, and, and I've started seeing how the connection between what I've just shared now in terms of Daniel, um, 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 Job, and of course Noah, right? That's how they subdue their world. The connection between righteousness and subduing the world. It is righteousness. It is through righteousness that you subdue the world. It's through righteousness. And so God wants us to move because right, guess what? If you multiply, if you replenish the earth and something, and you don't subdue, eh, it's just one policy away, one government policy away, one, one, one pandemic away, one, one crisis away, one, one, one um, where political person, just somebody just wins an election, a new regime comes in, one policy away, everything will be wiped. All your acquisitions, all the fruits, all the multiplications, all the uh, replenishing the earth. If you are not subduing, if you are not having dominion, that's the that's the realm. So it doesn't end. The conversation does not end in the realm of fruitfulness. It does not end in the realm of uh, multiplication. I'm born, I'm just be gathering and amassing. That was the mistake of the rich fool. Let's look at the rich fool in Luke. This was the mistake of the rich fool. The rich fool did not think about subduing. Did not think about dom having dominion. He just looked, how can I amass more? How can I uh, build more bands? We uh, build, uh, break down my bands. Let me build more. Let me acquire more. Let me add more to what I already have. Quickly, let's look at Luke. Luke twelve. Luke twelve. This is the mistake of the rich fool. Okay, so some people are rich, but they are fools. God does not want, and one of the ways to ensure that you are you are rich but you are still wise is by pushing yourself to the realm of subduing and dominating the affairs, the spheres. That's why you see all these people when when they are positioning themselves, they are acquiring things, but they begin to go into investing, investing. They are, they are that strategies for domination, domination. They are trying acquire properties, acquire companies. All these uh, people that you go and pitch to them and they give you money, they, they, they own shares in your company. That's subduing, that's domination already. It's not just having enough money for themselves alone. They are pushing into the realms of, because now some people are buying cities, buying countries, acquiring Twitter, acquiring this one, acquiring Facebook. How did Facebook acquire Instagram? That's sub subduing because they know if you have, if you own something for yourself alone, that's fine. But if you are owning things that have ripple effects, in countries across the world, that's subduing, that's domination, that's that's what that's what it's that's what I'm about dominion, subduing, rich fool. Let's talk, let's look at the rich fool quickly. The mistake of the rich fool. Wow, it's 28. Wow, the mistake of the rich fool, Luke 12 13. Luke 12 13. Look at what this rich fool said. This guy, very foolish guy. He says, One of the companies said, I said unto me, Man, who made me a joy and divide over you? Verse 15. He said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. A man's life does not consist in what he possesses. All the fruitfulness, multiplication, and replenishing the earth, they are in the realm of possessions. That's why it's just possession. Look at what he says. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. See that? I have no room where to bestow my, my fruits. Fruits, fruitfulness. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my bands, 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 and build greater. And there I will bestow all my fruits again, fruitfulness. And all my what goods, just about acquisition. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods, goods, acquisition, acquisition, sir. Laid up for many years. See, just about acquiring things for himself. Take thine, ease, eat and drink. But God said unto him, thou fool. This night your soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? This man did not subdue death. <laughs> so when you say Jesus, I mean, what Jesus did in, in, in destroying death, he has taken over the power of death. So if you are acquiring things and you have not subdued death, and death is anything around you that can happen. Pandemic, death, job loss, death. If you are acquiring things, death can suddenly happen. So if you have not subdued death, eh? Death will subdue all those things that you have. You are gone. <laughs> That's the mistake of the rich fool. So we are not, we are not, we are not fools. As we acquire wealth, we are not fools. Remember, I'm talking about subduing now, subduing the realm of subduing. And I want to show a link 
between what it means, how there's a connection between subduing and righteousness. Remember how I started? I just want you all, just follow me and link this properly. Your man. I trust the Holy Spirit to help you link it. There's a lot of linking that you have to do, okay? And I know the Holy Spirit has gone into your heart to help you understand how I started and how I will end. Is a lot of moving parts in tonight's sermon, okay? Let's go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. This is the connection between subduing and righteousness. These guys, Noah, Job, Daniel, they subdued through righteousness. Look at it, Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. Let's start from verse 32. He says, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, and of Samuel, and of uh, the prophets. That's one of them is Daniel there. Look at verse 33. He says, who through faith, what? Subdued kingdoms. The next thing after that is what? They wrought righteousness. Ah! When you are subduing kingdoms, you are rotting righteousness. Oh, Jesus. That's the first thing. He lists other things. But look at the first thing there. They subdued kingdoms. Because they were righteous people. After they subdued kingdoms, the next thing is that they want to, they want to rot more righteousness in what they have subdued. <laughs> That's a strategy. You can't just be acquiring things and be pursuing acquisition. No, you have to move into the realm of subduing. And why is this subduing thing of is very important? Ah, yeah, yeah. Why is God emphasizing subduing? Because the enemy is on rampage, guys. The enemy is on major rampage. Subduing systems, subduing structures, subduing platforms. God's people also need to begin to subdue those places. Your career, you can't be you can't be thinking about the next big salary you want to you want to you want to begin to earn the, the next job. You next no. What are you subduing for the kingdom of God? The enemy is on major rampage. All these platforms, major rampage. The movie industry, the entertainment industry, finance industry. Are you representing God there? Because God wants you to subdue and entrench His kingdom there. Subdue, not just fruitfulness, not just you know replenishing the earth. We are replenishing the earth. You are going to different parts of the country. That's good. That's great. You are all over the place, multiplying. Fantastic. But can you begin to that God will say, "I have a man there that this guy is the authority." If you imagine Daniel in those kingdoms, three kings, he subdued those men. He subdued. Remember the story God um, Pastor shared with us last week. Subdued three king, four kingdoms. He said four kings, and he subdued them with his righteousness. That's the dimension. No, nothing was said about Daniel's wealth. <laughs> it was after the fact. You after he subdued them, that's when money now came. Eh? Money is not the goal. That's why he says, "Seek ye first the kingdom." What is he talking about there? Seek ye first the subduing of the kingdom, subduing of things around you, possessing kingdoms and territories for God. The money will follow. All other things will follow. Glory to Jesus. And why, why is this important? <laughs> Wow, why is this important, guys? Why, why is it important for us to subdue kingdoms? Why, and I said it already, God, the enemy is on rampage. And this is where I'm going to go into the book of Daniel. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, not, I've not opened Daniel since. Now, let's go into the Daniel that I've been studying. I will show you why it is important. There's a prophecy in the book of Daniel where Daniel, child, when he... He, he, he cataloged what is going to happen. It's already happening in our age, in our, in our, in our lifetime. It's already, we can see these things already happening. And Daniel gave us the strategy, the strategy for subduing. And that's what we want to look at. Are we ready tonight? Are we still together? 8.33. <laughs> wow. Daniel 11. Let's go to Daniel 11. Wow. This is when the sermon has just started, by the way. The sermon has just now started. I've just, this is the beginning. This is actually where... I started reflecting from, okay? And before I now went back a bit, okay? This was where I started from. Daniel 11. Remember I said I want to look at the prophetic side of Daniel. The prophetic side. We've looked at a lot of uh, stories in the preceding verse, uh, chapters. But it, it, Daniel is a prophet. This guy this guy is a prophet. He, so, he said so many things. Now let's look at Daniel 11. I'm going to start, and it's, it's a long read. Please uh, come with me. Uh, go with me. Follow me through as, as I read Daniel 11. I'm starting from verse 36. Take note, these things are happening right now. And I want to show us why it is important for us to subdue. This is the enemy on rampage now. The king will exalt himself. That, that's the title, the heading here. From verse 36. And the king, this king here is not the known king, is his enemy. The king shall do according to his will. 
he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvelous things against the god of god and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished for that is determined and shall be done 37 neither shall he regard the god of his fathers nor the desire of women nor regard any god for he shall magnify himself above all <laughs> just begin to plot the graph in your mind these are the things happening 38 but in his estate shall he honor the god of forces god of forces is what he will honor and a god whom his father knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones his money his money that's what they are to idolize and, and, and esteem and pleasant things verse 39 thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange god whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory and he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain he shall divide the land for gain everything that is happening in russia all these wars and fights and everything happening that's it here verse 20 verse 40 and at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him the king of the south people will be what's wrong with this guy why is this guy acting like this king of the south will come verse 40 they will push at him king of the north will come push against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over country fightings happening and jesus himself talked about this thing we will show i'll show you later on look at verse 41 which which is where i want to zero in on right verse 41 he shall enter also into the glorious land and many countries shall be overthrown many countries shall be overthrown in iniquity in perversion in corruption in pollution in he will enter prediction this revelation talks about it also now he shall escape and, and he says what and many countries shall be overthrown but this shall escape out of his hand even edom and moab and the chief of the children of ammon see some people will escape <laughs> verse 42 he shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries and the land of egypt shall not escape ah so some people will escape some people will not escape this damnation this corruption this pollution these people that he listed here that will escape he don't more about they are not just countries oh there's a strategy for escape that's why the title of my sermon tonight is the protocol of escape the protocol of escape is the title of my sermon because the enemy is on rampage what has just been described here is what the spirit of the antichrist is not a human being it's their their spirits forces people all over the world that are exhibiting the spirit is at work on the earth on a massive scale massive scale massive scale and if you are not actively finding ways to escape ah you are going to be a victim of god will not allow that for us in the tribe in the name of jesus the protocol of escape is what i want to discuss tonight how did these guys escape because this is a massive attack in the world right now and it's so subtle so subtle so so i mean insidious is hurting is harming is everything is happening and people are just you know things are happening but this guy is penetrating kingdoms entering into territories and corners polluting minds subduing places this guy is, is the real mccoy of subduing subduing territories the king of the south they will, what is happening how is this guy doing it so tonight guys i want to show us the protocol for escape what's the strategy for escape wow my sermon has now just started because guess what you can't you can't you can't you can't subdue if you don't first escape <laughs> let me just throw that there you can't sub you want to you want to subdue something and you don't want to you, you are now part of the something you want to subdue you can't be part of something you want to subdue and subdue it no you first escape from that thing and then you now come back to subdue it that's the strategy i want to show us tonight let's go to first peter or rather second peter second peter chapter one this is where i'm going to be running because it's almost nine okay pastor will say peace uh, don't rush i've shared this with pastors before i think the leader the directors on a smaller scale just about 20 minutes so but god has amplified this word in my heart so powerfully second peter 1 4 second peter 1 4 second peter i want to show us remember how i started though i'm still going to tie all of this together second peter chapter 1 verse 4 right now i'm preaching in the dark is my is the screen for my laptop i'm using uh, to to see my bible now as i was preaching light just went off so pray for me and i can i can see clearly 
there's nobody living with me that will help me turn on my generator so i'm i'm just preaching i don't want to interrupt the flow so let's go second peter chapter one verse four second peter chapter one verse four are we together are we together take note of this Whoosh! this is one of the scriptures god used to teach me a lot of things god used this scripture to to start me on a journey of faith back in 2013 I lost my job. I didn't get a scholarship. I said, no, God, King Bumeshibai, where should I go to? And God showed me the scripture. And this is a scripture I started meditating on. And so when I saw it again some weeks back, I said, wow, thank God for bringing this. Second Peter 1.4. Look at what it says. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by this you might be partakers of the divine nature, having what? Having what? Escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I read this again. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises you might what be partakers of the divine nature, having what escape the corruption that is in the world through loss. Remember what I read in Daniel eleven. These guys was going into territories, but some people escaped. What did they escape from? Second Peter just told us they escaped from what corruption. This corruption is sponsored by lust. So guess what? Let me break down the scripture. This scripture is telling you that what God gives you is a promise. The goal of that promise is so that you can become partakers of the divine nature. The particular being a particular of the divine nature is being a particular of divinity, is being fruitful, is being uh uh is replenishing the earth, is subduing the earth. But it starts with a promise. God gives you a scripture in Isaiah that you are carrying and nurturing, and you are excited about, you are believing and trusting God for, but it doesn't end there. The end product of that scripture should translate to you becoming a what a particular of the divine nature. But guess what? You cannot become a particle of the divine nature if you have not first what escape. You have to escape the corruption that is this what? And how does this corruption function? This corruption functions by what? Lost. Lost. So the spirit of Antichrist, described in Daniel 11, penetrating the world right now, what it is pushing, the agenda it is pushing right now, it is corruption. What the corruption, what is sponsoring that corruption is what is called lost, lost, lost. Ah! <laughs> now, lost is powerful. <laughs> Don't trivialize lost because it is a subtle tool the enemy is using right now to penetrate into the hearts of people. Is the strategy for polluting the world. Lost. Now, it will now make sense what First John says. Let's go to First John. First John 2. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going somewhere tonight. First John 2. I still have like seven or eight scriptures to it. First John 2. Remember, I'm trying to connect something together. First John 2, verse 16. It says what? For all that is in the world. For all. The Bible does not use words alone. It doesn't just use words randomly. All that is in the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. All. If you sum up everything that is in this world every single thing you can sum it up into three one is lust of the flesh two is lust of the eyes three is pride of life remember corruption is sponsored by lust this scripture is telling you that 66.6 percent .6 of what is in the world right now has a lost element in it the remaining 33.3 has a pride element in it that means lust is the order of the day is this one that is leading so you have lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life everything look at what it says all that is the world and remember that corruption is sponsored by lust. And that is what you need to escape from. I've not got into the protocol yet. <laughs> now, look at what people don't know. The, some people don't know the difference between the loss of the flesh and the loss of the, of the eyes. There's an article I saw that explains this very beautifully. Now, now, what is the loss of the flesh? Very, uh, the loss of the flesh are usually unnaturally strong desires for things that the human body was designed by God to need or desire as part of our healthy makeup. These are things we usually desire or need simply by virtue of being human, but for which we have developed an excessive desire. They are normally just two such innate needs gone overboard. One is an excessive desire for food. Another is an excessive desire for sexual gratification. I once knew a man who developed a lust for water gallons a day that made him sick by depleting his body of essential chemical elements. Also included among the lust of the flesh are desires for tobacco, drugs, alcohol, 
this we, we have no innate need for but because of the psychological and physiological effects they can have on our bodies which may deem enjoyable that's why we become victims we can come to crave this because of the effects they produce or inherent addictive natures the point where a natural desire for food or sexual expression moves from natural desire to loss is is the point where it harms our souls our bodies or our spouse in the case of sex if we want to eat something to such an unnatural extent that it becomes like an addiction or causes us to become a glutton eating too much too often or become preoccupied with food our excess desire has become the lust of the flesh do you see that that's the lust of the flesh that has just been described powerfully now it doesn't end there now what is the loss of the eyes okay so loss of the flesh is what your body is used to your body is is a natural desire that has gone wrong that's loss of the flesh a natural desire for something simple that has gone wrong that's loss of the flesh okay but when you now talk about lost of the eyes lost of the eyes on the other hand okay is what an excessive desire for something that we see without respect to whether or not we need it we all need clothing to cover our bodies if we already have plenty of clothing in good condition for all potential occasions if we want to have a new article of clothing simply because we like its appearance it might be the loss of the eyes but not necessarily what is motivating motivating your desire to have that thing that's the loss of the eyes something that is not it's just it's just like it's just like it just acquired it. pride of life is wanting to have or do something uh to have pride in in whether power position or achievement needing other people to look up to us or to make ourselves appear above others often wanting to upgrade a house or a car or attend a prestigious college might be motivated by the pride of life the pride of life is the lust for attainment of what we perceive as superiority guys these three things these are the most prevalent things in our world right now lust of the eyes lust of the flesh pride of life hmm. <sighs> now why did i show all of that i want us to begin to unpack lust hey see, i won't plead for some more time like this like my pastor i can't finish this sermon <laughs> Yeah, I'll do part two or something. I, I can't finish this sermon. This sermon is, 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 is long. So maybe I'll just plead for more time. And if I don't finish still after that, I'll just, I'll just maybe finish it another time. Now, let's unpack lust for the next five minutes. This lust, we all know it. I've just described it now. But I want to show you how the, the, the Bible explains lust. Second Peter is a is a is Peter guy. Peter, go and read Peter. We we celebrate Paul a lot. Fantastic guys, Paul. Go and read Peter. Peter knew some things, wrote some things. Eh? I God told me earlier. He said, "Look, he told Peter. He told Peter in the Bible. He says, look, uh, the enemy has as as acquired as desire to sift you as wheat. But when you have been converted, strengthen your brethren. What that means is that anytime you read Peter." The book of Peter, First Peter, Second Peter, you are receiving strength from somebody who has been converted because that was the assignment. He said, by the time you are converted, go and strengthen your brethren, because the enemy is, is an example of somebody who the enemy wanted to sift as wheat, but God prayed for him. Jesus prayed for him. He says, when you are converted, go and strengthen your brethren. So anything you see in Peter is strength. Anything <laughs> is strength for somebody who the devil almost messed up, as I've just described. Now let's go to Second Peter two. Let's cause, let me just quickly describe this lost. There's an explanation in the book of um, Second Peter that explains this lost very precisely, very precisely. Okay, Second Peter. Now remember, I just read Second Peter chapter one from verse four. Now let's jump to Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter two. Now the entire Second Peter chapter uh, one verse four. The remaining verses after verse four. The remaining verses after verse four does not talk about anything lost again because it now begins to talk about how you how you move beyond lost and all of those things but then what causes lost peter now starts explaining from chapter two and one of the ways it tells us how lost comes is by false teaching false teaching look at what he says verse two and that's why we have to thank god for our pastor our pastor teaches us right stuff correct doctrine doctrine is important because that's the what is sponsored the, the starting point of lost Verse 2, there were false prophets also among the people. Chapter 2, right? Verse 1, there were false prophets. That's where it starts from. Among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall what? Shall bring in 
damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves sweet destruction. Look at what verse 2. Many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with fain words with make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. Verse 4. It has explained all of what, how the lost was born. He now begins to give you three, three examples in the Bible of how the loss of the flesh, the loss of the earth, and the pride of life. He arranges these stories in the order of how they occurred, in the order of occur occurrence. But if you go into First John, what you see is the order is loss of the eye, uh, loss of the flesh, loss of the eyes, and pride of life. But if you check here, he starts with the pride of life first, because that was the that was the story that started that preceded the two other stories. Look at verse four. Pride of life is described here. He says what? If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Do you see that? That is the pride of life at work. The angels fell because of pride. That's pride of life. Verse 5. Lost of the flesh now. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah. Look at Noah again. He exported Noah again here. Spared Noah, the eighth person. A preacher of righteousness. You see righteousness again? Bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. That is Noah again. That is the lust of the flesh at work. Evident. And turning the cities of Sodom. This is the third point. Lust of the eyes now. In Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the lust of the eyes prevalent. Even now a lust of the flesh. All of it combined. He turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Condemned them with an overthrow. Making them an example unto those that should after uh, live ungodly. And what? He delivered just lot. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. So do you see three things he mentioned? Number one, he talked about the angels that fell because of pride. He talked about Noah that was saved because there was loss of the eyes in the environment. He talked about Lot that was delivered because of the lust of the flesh and even the lust of the eye that was prevalent in what? In Sodom and Gomorrah. Now let's go into one of these stories. I don't have time. We would have uh, digged into each of these places, each of these stories. But let's look at just one. Let's go into Lot. Lot has something to tell us about how to escape. Quickly, quickly, Genesis. Let's just dig into Lot quickly. Genesis chapter 9. I need to run now. Run now. Genesis chapter 9. Chapter 19 rather. Genesis 19. This is story of Lot. I'm sure you are familiar with the story of Lot. Lot, Abraham had pleaded to God, God, uh, save my, my cousin. Uh, this guy, please don't destroy the country with Lot and his family there. And God said, okay, I will intervene. He sent two angels. God, two angels appeared in the house of Lot. And these Sodom and Gomorrah, men of Sodom and Gomorrah, wanted to sleep with the angels. And Lot was arguing with them. At the end of the day, the angels blinded the men of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this was the warning. This was the warning. Guess what? This was the warning that the angels gave Lot. Verse 14. And Lot went out and spoke unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughter, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But it seemed as one that mocked unto his sons. Let's jump to verse 17. Verse 17, because of time. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, this is the angels now, brought um, Lot and his children and his family and his, and his wife, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, look at what the angel said, escape for thy life. Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape for your life. Do you see that word escape there? <laughs> escape, you, you don't negotiate with lust. <laughs> because Sodom and Gomorrah was filled with lust, pollution, corruption. Remember, corruption that is sponsored through lust. The angel said, look, escape for your life. You don't play with lust. You don't, you don't accommodate lust. You don't, you don't fellowship with lust. You don't say, ah, I don't do that. I don't like that. No, you escape. It's an escape. Omar Sarani, escape. Because there's a vision. There's something God is getting into. There's something God is pushing you into. You escape. Mm -hmm. Now, what you do is escape. You don't play with it. You don't, you don't, you don't. <laughs> I want to say Japa. Yes, you Japa, not necessarily into another country. But you escape. I'm sure we get the point. Now, why should you escape? Quickly, why should you escape? I've said a lot about escape already. But why? Why should you escape? I want to show you why you should escape now. First Timothy 6 verse 9. Remember, I'm trying to build something. I'm going somewhere. I really ask for about 10 minutes to just tidy all the pieces together. Remember, I'm just making a case. At the end of the day, you see where it lands. This Bible, just God just showed me tons of scriptures. 10. Our pastor is yeah, fantastic. Pastor, familiar. 
Thank you, sir. First Timothy, let's go. Let's go. First Timothy, quickly. First Timothy chapter 6. I must land this message. First Timothy, let's go quickly. If you can put it up for me, I'll be glad. Right now, there's no there's no nepa here. I'm sweating like anything. Can imagine my pastor now, how he does it in the house. First Timothy 6, 9. KJV, look at this. Look at this. Thank you so much, Hobbs. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Look at that. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Guys, lust is a snare. That's why you must escape. In this scripture, you see how it combines. He said, those that must be rich will fall into temptation and a snare. Okay, which and into many and foolish, you see the snare and the loss together in the same breath, in the same passage. So lost is a snare, lost is a dungeon, is a cage. That's why you are so if you are functioning and drowning and enjoying and feasting and coasting in lust, you are in a snare, you are in bondage. That is why you are escaping. So you don't negotiate with loss, you don't you don't enjoy loss, you don't accommodate loss, you escape because it means you are in bondage. And that's why it will now make sense eh, what Sam, um, David was saying. Psalm 124. Look at what David said. It will now make sense what David was saying in Psalm 124. Let's go to Psalm 124 quickly. I'm going somewhere. Psalm 124. I'm almost done. 124. Look at what it says in verse 7. I wanted to read the entire scripture, but let's just go to verse 7. If you have time, you can read the entire chapter. Verse 7. Look at what it says. Our soul is what? Escaped. As a what? Bird out of what the snare of the fowlers. The snare is what broken, and we are escaped. Hey, the snare of lust has to be broken in your life, oh, before you can escape. Hey, if the snare of lust is not broken in your life, you can't escape. Oh, if you must escape that lust of that snare of is a, is a snare. If the enemy can capture you like this and put you inside lust like this, bang he's inside. So when David was praying, say, look. My soul has escaped. The guy was so excited. My soul has escaped as a bear from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. I'm escaped. The snare is broken. Loss is broken. I'm escaped. I'm escaped. He was excited. And you know what? Let me now show you, as I round off, how to escape. But before I show you that, <laughs> which is where I'm going to the protocol for escape, before I show you that, let me tell you that Jesus even talked about this. I've, I've talked about David. I've talked about Paul. I've talked about Peter. I've quoted Daniel. I've quoted all kinds of people. If Jesus had nothing to say about this, then, uh, you, you, of course, he's still believable in scripture. But Jesus has a way of just balancing it. <laughs> and guess what? Jesus quoted Daniel. When I saw this, I said, ah! <laughs> Quickly, because of time. Let's go. Let's go to Matthew 24. Ah! Matthew 24. Let's go. Quickly, quickly. Ah, praise the name of the Lord. Matthew 24. Can see it's not lime. I'm just as it came to me, is what I'm, I'm just giving to us tonight. Tonight, Matthew 24 15. Look at what it says here. Matthew 24 15. See what it says here. He <laughs> says, If you can put it up there, that'll be great. But I have it here. He says, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, <laughs> can you see Jesus called Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Who so read it, let him understand. Now, I just only quoted the Matthew version because I want you to, I want us to read it from the Luke version. But here, I want us to see that Jesus called Daniel a prophet and also quoted chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11 that we started with the abomination of desolation. Remember the Antichrist that I started with? That is the abomination of desolation. The guy will go and desecrate temples everywhere. Corruption, pollution, lost. He says, when you see this thing, Look, let's go to the Luke version of this account. That's when Jesus now explains what I'm about to show you. Luke chapter 21. The Luke account now. Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 21. Quickly now. Quickly now. Luke 21. Let's start from verse 20. Hey. Powerful. Luke 21, 20. Look at me. When you, when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation, remember that desolation is nine. Where I'm going to is verse 33. Let's go to 33. Let's start from 31. He says, so likewise, when you see these things come to pass, that's the abomination of desolation that he talked about. Know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. 
Look at what he says. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Look at verse 34. And take heed to yourselves. Let at any time your heart be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness and cares of this life. Those are all forms of loss of the flesh, loss of the eyes, and pride of life. And so that that day come upon you unawares. Look at 35. Look at 35. Look at 35. Jesus, look at 35. He says, For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Look at verse 36. He says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape. All these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. As a snare, can you see? He quoted the snare there. Snare, lost. Eh? As a snare, it shall come. As a snare, lost will come. As a snare, the spirit of Antichrist will spread throughout the earth, perpetrating lost. Remember what Pastor preached last, last, last Thursday? That's this, I mean, sexual sins, lost. That's his strategy beyond the activity. The spirit is what is at work. He said, Watch you therefore, verse 36, and pray always. Remember one of the strategies Pastor discussed last week was prayer. Pray always that you may be accounted what? What need to what? Escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Oh, glory to Jesus. And as I begin to round off tonight, let's now look at the strategy for escape. <laughs> it's there in scripture. I did not, I am just going to show you as God showed me, and we are done. Second Peter, let's go back to that second Peter. Remember where we started from. Okay, those three men. Second Peter, chapter 2. Glory to Jesus. We're almost done. Just two, three more scriptures and we're done. Second Peter chapter 2. Oh, glory to Jesus. Second Peter chapter 2. Let's start from verse 17 now. Verse 17. I want to show you. I mean, just catch yourself. As I'm reading this, just catch yourself. Okay, pastor has already been talking about all of these things before now. But Peter, take time and study the book of Peter. First Peter, second Peter, especially second Peter. This guy listed everything. From verse 17, so he begins to tell us. These are the kind of manifestations. Or ladder, let's start, let's start from verse 10. They that walk, let's start from verse 10. Let's start from verse 10. It says, but chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. If you despise government, you don't like order, you don't like structure, you don't like accountability, it's capturing you here. As all that also manifestation of loss, presumptions are they self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Remember all the things I read in Daniel 11, the spirit of Antichrist. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. 11, whereas angels which are greater in power might bring not really acquisition against them before the Lord. Verse 12, these are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. They speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Look at verse 13. They shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure. They count it pleasure to riot in the daytime they wake up in the morning and what they do is just watch netflix and they're not they are not on break or they are just they, they riot in the daytime to riot means to play to fight to have fun those are the people they are talking about spots are they blemishes spotting themselves with their own deceivings why they feast with you 14 they have eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from they can't stop sinning beguiling unstable souls and heart that they have exercised with covetous practices curse children which have they are forsaking the right way and they are gone astray following the way of balaam the son of bosor who loved the wages of unrighteousness he was rebuked for his iniquity the dumb ass was speaking with the man's voice for bad the madness of the prophet verse 17 he says these are wells without water clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever verse 18 when they speak great swelling words of vanity they are lured how do they are lured they are lured through the lust of the flesh through much wantonness so all the seductions in those movies all those things that are lured all the skits on social media they are lured all the speaking billions, anything that had lost element in it, they are lured through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escape. Do you see that? They are lured. <laughs> so they seduce you. How do they seduce you? Through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Who are the people that they are lured? The people that are clean escaped from them who live in error. Verse 19, verse 20 is where I'm going to. Verse 19. Why they promise them liberty? They themselves are the servants of what? Corruption. Remember, corruption is sponsored by loss. They are the servants of grace. Serve corruption. For whom a man is overcome of the same is brought in bondage. See that bondage? That was a snare. Snare. Lost is a snare. How do you escape? Hey. 
Look at 20. How do you escape? Ah. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through what? The knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How you escape is through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When you come to church every day and you listen to sermons, you are escaping. When you are studying your Bible, you are studying your Bible diligently, you are escaping. When you are praying, you are fasting, you are escaping. When you are diligent in your study of the word, walking in love, walking in righteousness, you are escaping. You escape through the knowledge. Any knowledge that is deficient of the knowledge of our Lord, it starts with Lord before Savior. He wants to be your Lord, self. You have said so much about him being your savior. He saved you. That is enough. But Peter prioritizes the lordship of Jesus. The knowledge of the Lord. Do you know Jesus as your Lord? That is how you escape. And as I round off tonight, knowledge is key. Chapter 3 verse 18 says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. Peter always puts the lordship before the Savior. We have always done the Savior, my Lord. Lord. He says, if this is the last thing he told them, last thing he said, chapter 3, verse 18, last words of Peter, grow in grace and what? In the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Knowledge. Knowledge of what? Not just book knowledge. Not just PH knowledge, master's knowledge. Not just knowledge by, by social media influencers. Knowledge of our Lord. Your Bible is how you escape. You're studying, diligent study. You, you give yourself chapters of the Bible. You study. You listen to sermons. You, you listen. You come to church. You attend come. You grow in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus. That's how you escape. Last two scriptures as I close. Let's go back to where we started. <laughs> Let's go back to where we started. Second Peter 1. Just flip back a bit. Second Peter 1. Remember, he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by this you might be partakers of the divine nature. What? Having a what? Escaped. The corruption that is in this world through what? Through lust. Remember, he now passed, he now started listing. Look at what he lists. I just want to show us this. I can't go into it again. I'm, time is done already. Look at what he says. Verse 5. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, charity. Look at what he says in verse 8. If these things be in you and abound, these things that I've just listed now, look at what they will contribute to your life. If these things are in you and they abound, look at what it will contribute to your life. They make you that you shall neither what be barren nor what unfruitful in the what knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we have said knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is how you escape. What are you escaping from? Lost. Why is lost? Why should you escape from lost? Because that is what is sponsoring corruption. And why is lost necessary for you to escape from? Because it's a snare, it puts you in bondage. And we have said. To acquire that knowledge, all these things that are listed here, Peter gave it. Guess what? Guess what, brethren? Guess what? PowerPoint tribe. Number one that he listed here. We can do an exegesis on the first, all of all of it, maybe in subsequent weeks. But number one there, it calls it virtue. I went to go and check in another version. This is the last thing I'm going to say. In another version. Wait for this. Wait for this. Amplified version. If you can put it up there, guess what he says? Second Peter 1, verse 5. Amplified version. I'm going to read this and you will see that I have made my point. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. See that? For this very reason, I wanted it AMPC. AMPC. That's the one. Even though this one also does justice. Second Peter 1, 5. Let me read it from you here. 1.5 in Amplified Version, AMPC. Look at what it says. Fantastic. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promise, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. Look at the definition of virtue. Excellence. Hey! Study Latin Joy. Excellence. This excellence thing is crucial. This excellence thing is not just mouth, oh. 
everything I've talked about now, it helps you to develop the knowledge. That first thing there, look at what he calls it, excellence. And what more does he say about excellence? He calls it what? He calls it another thing. He calls it energy, spiritual energy. Ah! What else does he call it? That virtue, he calls it resolution, Christian energy, excellence. And so, brethren, as I round off tonight, I've said a lot of things, and I trust that the Holy Spirit has ministered to you. We're just going to pray one prayer, one prayer. And that prayer is in Psalms 71, verse 2. David knew this thing, guys. This, David knew this thing. He knew this thing. Psalm 71. We're just going to pray this prayer. Please, if you can unmute yourself, just pray this prayer with your heart. This prayer is very powerful. Verse 2, Psalm 71, verse 2. Look at what it says. This was the scripture I was reading before I started preaching. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to what? Escape. Can you turn that into a prayer? Remember, I started with righteousness. That these three men, Noah, uh, Daniel, Job, they would deliver themselves by their own righteousness. To pray, God, deliver me your righteousness. Cause me to escape the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. So I can escape. Jesus talked about it. God, cause me to escape. Escape. The enemy is on rampage. The world is under attack. This is the show of escape. God will prioritize knowledge. Knowledge of God is priority. You prioritize knowledge of God. Causes it to escape. God cause me to escape. Deliver me your righteousness. Cause me to escape. Cause me to escape. Thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word that has come with power, has come with function, has come with grace. Thank you for helping me. Thank you because I will not be a victim of this word myself. Thank you because you are growing us to become examples in the world, shining light examples uh, to the body, to the world. And we are not victims. We are, the, the, the snare of loss will not ensnare us. We are not bondage to any loss, to any addiction. God continues to power us with revelation knowledge and continues to grow us with power. We grow in grace. We grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And through that, we subdue kingdoms and wrought righteousness. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Whoosh, glory to God. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Heartpoint Tribe.